Hello, beautiful. Get your coffee. It's time for Coffee with Matilda, A Journey to South. Today, I have a beautiful guest. Her name is Silandran. Uh, some people call her Sal. She's a mother. She's a host of an uplifting human podcast, a Kundalini Yuga teacher, healer, advanced meditator, and her passion and purpose in life is to honor, empower, educate, and inspire humanity. What I really love what she does, she brings together an ancient wisdom traditions with new scientific discoveries to guide students to a new level of understanding. And she's offering ways to resolve trauma and limiting beliefs uh, that we face most of the time. Uh, Salindra, thank you for coming to my show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, I have been waiting to get on your show. I've heard all sorts of good things. So oh, beautiful. Of my heart. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So I have a lot of things to ask you. Let's go to the business. I'm um, fascinated about your um, background and where you are now and what your journey is. Can you tell us, uh, can you tell my audience about you? Yes, definitely. Well, um, I'm originally, I'm born in India and my parents immigrated to Canada at a very young age. And so my whole life has been spent here in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Um, and what can I say? I, um, grew up here but i had a deep desire uh, from the bottom of the pit of my stomach always wanting to to go home mm -hmm. and that actual first insight of going home was from a very young age and that was when i was living in india and i remember it many times oftentimes i would think wow that was and I still remember that scene standing in the middle of this tiny little house that, you know, I was born in and having that memory and thinking to myself, where is home? So there was always a longing to belong, to go back wherever home was because earth was not my home. Oh, wow. So I couldn't quite understand that. And so as uh, we you know, go on day by day in our own lives. Um, what happened is that I've got two older sisters, two younger sisters. So I was a middle child. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of fascinating because usually they say, oh, the middle child is the forgotten child. <laughs> and, and so people relate to that as, oh, that could have been very difficult growing up. But I, I call it my blessing. The reason I call it my blessing is because my older brothers and sisters were the ones that helped mom and dad do the day-to-day -day running of the household, uh, cooking, cleaning, all of that. And then the younger ones were always told what to do because they were younger. So it was the beautiful place to be in the middle because no one told you what to do. No one asked you what to do. And so I would, go, I would go into my mind and I would fascinated by the world. And I remember 
picking up other people's energies and I would be very, very um, sad. Sad at how an individual could treat each other. Mm -hmm. Sad at how humanity was with nature, with animals. I mean, I have those memories from childhood and I would not want to be near people. I knew there were certain people that I was not to get close to. And the beautiful thing was that I could see people's auras. And so I would see, I didn't know it was an aura. I didn't know it was called a halo or an aura. Mm -hmm. I just saw light. And so I would look at people and if the light was nice and bright, I would want to be around them. And I knew mm -hmm. they were going to be nice people. They were going to be kind people and they couldn't hurt me. And every time I saw someone where their light was very dim, I knew not to go near them because, oh, wow. because they were going to be difficult. Uh, they were probably not genuinely nice people. They were not kind-hearted. And so I had a tendency to look at people from a distance and I would either go and do my own thing because I didn't mm -hmm. want to be near them or I would be really happy to see them because I could see their light. And of course, you know, as you know, life, life boggles you down and you keep moving forward. But that feeling, that desire to go back home never left me. It never left me. And all I knew was that because I had so much time on my hand, because I was a forgotten middle child <laughs> uh -huh. growing up, I would go and I would, I would go into my little magic shop, you know, into my head and I would start thinking how I wanted things to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, nobody thought of things that I would think of. And I remember um, I didn't know enough to discuss anything with anybody. And so as I grew, I wanted to be close to um, nature. So I used to go running. And while I was running, and this is in grade six, so you're quite young still, you're not in high school. Um, and I would be thinking about, oh, I would never want to marry a person like so-and-so married because he's so mean, you know, who cares if he's educated? Who cares if he's, you know, uh, a doctor? Who, who cares if he's... And so I would start thinking these things at a very young age. And so my earliest memories were just wanting to have fun and live life to the fullest. And then, of course, the teenage years hit. And, of course, you go to high school. And then all of a sudden, you know, you could pick up. But then slowly, slowly, you know, I, I didn't focus in on those skills that I had intuitively. But there mm -hmm. was always that longing to go home. It wasn't until I would say, and we'll fast forward it because I know time is very precious. Um, it wasn't until I would say that after I had thought to myself, I'm going to have two boys and a girl. I'm going to be married to this kind of man. And all of that came right before my very eyes. It was like I married the man that I thought I was going to marry. I had two boys and a girl. And these two boys and a girl were exactly the way I thought they were. Oh, wow. And, then, and I started to get really, really sad again. 
you know, sad like when I was young, thinking, I know to do this, but how do I teach others to do this? Mm -hmm. Because I realized there was a huge difference between my life and my siblings' life. They were always struggling and trying to go ahead and do things and create things in life, whereas I was just kind of doing what I always did. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was really hard, and I didn't have the language. I didn't have the language because even when I tried to teach my sisters, you know, you, your life is the way you think, whatever you decide your life is, that's what's going to happen. They couldn't understand it. And they thought that there was something wrong with the way I was thinking. And so eventually uh, what happened is that we had a few um, people cross over. Mm-hmm. And I had some real moments of intuition where I had, I had some real conversations with the ones that crossed over. I'll give you an example. Um, my daughter would have been in elementary school. My father-in-law was in India. And when he was in India, and I had just come back from India, I looked at him as I waved goodbye at the airport. I kind of knew this was the last time I was going to see him. Oh, my God. And so I got on the plane, and I kept thinking about him, and I came home. And about three weeks later, we get a call that he's sick. So my Mm -hmm. husband's kind of thinking, you know, should I go? Shouldn't I go? And I'm driving my daughter to school one day. And as I'm driving... And, you know, I sense the energy coming down and I know that, okay, this isn't my energy. And I started to gasp for air. It was like, Mm. I could, I could sense that it was my father-in-law and I was driving at the time and I was almost suffocating and I had to pull over and my daughter's with me and she would have been in grade one or two. And she's looking at me and she's like, mom, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not. I said, it's your grandpa. And she says, okay, just keep breathing, mom. Just keep breathing. And I'm breathing and I'm breathing. So in my mind, I'm mentally telling him everything's okay. Everything's okay. You know, everything's going to be okay. And I looked at her and I realized, and I told her, and I said, your grandfather's not alive. (gasps) I dropped her off at school. And when I came back, from the time that I drove her to school and came back, it would have been no longer than half an hour. And when I came home, my husband pulled me aside and he says, I have to talk to you. And I said, okay. But I knew what he was about to tell me. He said that my dad is no longer alive. And I said, yeah. So I could give you an enormous amount of detail. I could tell you conversations I had after he crossed over. I could tell you of other people, other situations, other miraculous things. But I have no more ability than you or anybody else that's listening. We all have that same ability. It's that some of us were fortunate enough to be the forgotten middle child 
<laughs> so we were able to develop and keep it, whereas others are now having to learn it. Oh, wow. And so here I am today, mother of three wonderful kids. I knew I was going to have an Olympian. I knew that I was going to have a son who was a lawyer. And I knew that my daughter was going to be some amazing, fantastic yoga teacher. And that is exactly what they are today. So my older son is a lawyer. Wow. My second son, he did do the Olympic run. And uh, he's here Bravo. to change. <laughs> and he's here to change the world. So, and my daughter, she became a yoga teacher at thirteen. I am a grandmother of three, and life has been an amazing journey. An amazing journey. And that's why I became a Kundalini yoga teacher because I needed to learn how to be able to speak and to teach and to allow for people to tune in and touch their true essence and authenticity, which is within each of us. And so with the ability of being able to teach Kundalini yoga, then I realized that there's a divine um, in it ability for every single person also to heal one, one another. So I developed some of my healing modalities. Mm -hmm. And then from there, uh, again, a miraculous thing, which I uh, didn't realize I was going to go into a couple of decades ago. My body basically made me learn how to meditate. And so I've been meditating for a few decades. And from all of that and everything that I have been blessed to witness of my life, I decided it was time for me to step up and be of service at a greater capacity. And mm -hmm. I have made a commitment to my higher self, to source, to God, to whoever you believe in, to say, I am here and I am willing to serve in a bigger way. I love it. I am here and I'm willing to serve in a bigger way. I should uh, keep that in my mind. <laughs> That's an amazing journey, Salindra. I mean, my body is a little bit in an aha moment from the story that you're saying. I mean, the abilities that you and you're saying that everyone has it, but somehow we've forgotten. Uh, I think most of the people listening, they will wish that they're like the second child, the middle child now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and you know what in every every single position that you're in in life uh, and it doesn't matter if you're the eldest because you think you're the most uh, burdened or you lost your childhood as my older sister would say um or if you're the youngest who's still you know trying to scream and say you know i have a voice too it doesn't matter each position that you're put in in life is so sacred and so beautiful and so special because out of that is a huge opportunity to learn a lesson, to evolve and to grow and to expand and to be of service. And I'm not, I'm not um, suggesting that it comes 
like a cakewalk because it really depends on who you are and what you're able to understand and comprehend and move through. But the key is to keep moving through, keep moving through, keep moving through. Right. And um, yeah, so my journey is your journey. If what I'm saying makes sense to you, if you resonate with what I'm saying in that journey is a part of you. Exactly. In that journey is a part of you because that's why it makes so much sense because of course it has to. We're all one. <laughs> yes. Right? Actually, uh, now that you're talking about the energies and uh, how you feel uh, people and how you see things, um, I don't see anyone's error. I, I think I have to, I don't know how to practice that. I would love to. I don't even see mine, but I feel people's energy or if I'm in a room that I don't like, um, the, the energy bothers me. So I have to constantly cleanse the room or um, when I come home, I have to cleanse my energy or my crystals. And I always thought I never had this before. It's been a couple of years that I'm developing this and it's becoming more and more each year. It's maybe because I get more in tune with myself or with the universe. Do you think so? Well, only you can answer that because you know yourself more than anyone else. But what I would like to share, uh, you know, which would make sense and tie into what you're saying, um, and that is that we're moving away from very external world we're moving away from a material world um, if you look at um, obviously i mean most listeners nowadays are intrigued and interested in learning more about why do i feel the way i feel mm -hmm. so if you if you look at for instance uh, a full moon yeah full moon affects people like magic mm -hmm. and so when you have people that are uh, behaving in a different manner on a massive scale, you realize the first thing that comes to mind, it must be a full moon. I is it a full moon? Um, why do we say that? And if you look at the moon, uh, and it's known that the moon, uh, when it's full, the tides are affected. The water levels are higher, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, we are a very high percentage of water. Our bodies are water. So, mm -hmm. of course, of course we're going to be affected because the moon affects the water and we're mostly water. We're going to be affected. Now, the other thing I think that people need to understand is that you've been taught to live by your ears open, your eyes open, with five senses mostly. Yeah. But the one that is actually the most powerful sense that you have is the one that you were born with, the sixth sense. Mm -hmm. And that sixth sense is like learning a new language. If you learned it when you're young, it gets better and better. But if you learn it later, it's going to come. It's just going to take a little bit of time. doesn't mean you can't learn it. Of course you can learn it. So 
how, how does this all fit into the big, you know, puzzle where we stand today? So just like you, depending on what your belief system is and where you come from in the world, your life, chances are, if you go back thousands of years, people used the very first navigational tools were the planets, the stars, right? Yes. And so when you were born, you were born on a particular day in a particular astrological sign because the stars and the heavens aligned in a certain way. Now, some people use that to go out and chart what life is going to bring them. I don't know if everybody wants to do that or cares to do that. But if the planets affect Earth, where we live, walk, eat, breathe, obviously it's going to affect us. And it's going to affect us at the cellular level. So if there's a earthquake or a tsunami or there's war or there's a holocaust on earth yeah. if there's something tragic aircrafts destroying if there's masses of people and animals dying it's going to affect us because we're all intertwined because we sure. are one now that same earthquake, that same tsunami, that same horrible uh, thing that's happening out there, it's happening inside of us as well. True. So, so as we are moving forward in this technological age, of course, we're inundated with so much information. And they say that the planet had the Schumann resonance. I'm not sure if your audience understands what the Schumann resonance is. So there was a scientist by the name of Schumann, and he discovered that Earth has a certain, call it a heartbeat, call it whatever you want. It has a resonance. And so whenever the planet's resonance is higher, it affects everything that's living on Earth. And so what happens is, over time, say the Schumann resonance was at like seven. It's at 15 normally now. It's double that. What, um, what that means is that the earth is frequency vibration has changed, which means ours has changed. It's nothing to be afraid of. But then if you come from a different, a different angle, for instance, the Mayan calendar, many people are interested in the Mayan calendar. They say, oh, you know, 2012, the, worth of the, world, the world is going to end because the Mayan's calendar ended in December something of 2012. Mm -hmm. What they fail to recognize is the world that we knew how to navigate and get through, that time frame, the way we navigated life was going to end. It's a brand new beginning. Oh, yeah. And so with the brand new beginning, Matilda, what has happened is that you have, you know, in the corporate sector, people who I want to be partner in the firm, you know, mm -hmm. I want to be the VP, I want to be the, the coup, I want to be the CEO, they, they were after their titles. And then when you looked at some of these people, they didn't live within their means. They didn't care what they were destroying in the process. No. There was no accountability. It was like, how can I present myself to the world as I'm better than you are? 
Exactly. I'm better than you are. Then, exactly. And then at the same time, you look at um, what has happened for those individuals, those executives who made those enormous amounts of money. They also wanted the bigger house, the bigger car. They wanted to have, you know, position and power. Right. Mm -hmm. But they were always empty. True. They were empty. There's a, there's a something that was always missing. And no matter what they got, the pleasure of whatever they got only lasted a certain time frame. Then they had to go and get a new toy or a bigger title or whatever it may be. Now, with what has happened over the time frame with the Schumann resonance, with the planets, and with everything that I've spoken of, what has happened is the vibration and the frequency of the planet and all of what we're going through has shifted. So the guy who's sitting at the top, who climbed the corporate ladder, who disregarded anything and everything that came in his way, all of a sudden is unhappy. And there's cool. nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing he can do to make himself happy. Now, where is all this going? What, what is exactly happening? And what is happening and where is this all going? Depending on your belief system, what part of the world you come from and how open you are. Mm -hmm. Because if you come from a religious background, it doesn't mean that you're open. It means that you're more conditioned. True. Right? So if you drop everything, you know, for myself, it was easy. But for Matilda, it may be more challenging. But guess what? What took me, uh, I'm 55 now, but what took me five decades is going to take you five years. That's the beauty of the time that we're in, is because it's, it's speeding up. And because you are me and I am you, what has happened is the elevation of where I've been mm -hmm. has allowed you to come faster. Oh, wow. Join me. Nice. I like that. <laughs> Very nice. And so, so it's beautiful. And so, you know, if you look at it a different way, now that's, that's one way of looking at it. If you look at it a different way, a different way would be we came from, you know, if you look at Buddhism, for instance, they say that the minute that you're born, they're suffering. There isn't a person or a thing on the planet that doesn't suffer. It's, a fa it's, a, it's the way you handle it, right? Mm -hmm. Where does that suffering come from? Suffering comes from separation. Suffering from comes from separation. From source, yes? From, separ from separation. Separation comes from suffering, which comes from the lower vibrations, which comes from your first three energy centers. So I'm going to tie that in now, you see? Mm -hmm. So every planet that we have is tied to a certain center in your body. And you have, in the Kundalini Yoga world, we have eight energy centers. So we have seven inside, and then the eighth one is our auric field. Okay? So each center represents a certain aspect, a certain element. It represents a certain planet. It represents a certain musical note. It represents oh, wow. a certain crystal. Do you understand? Yeah. 
Okay. So I, and again, you know, I'm speaking very broadly so that you're able to comprehend at whatever level you're at. So what is happening is that uh, the first three energy centers, so if you, the, the first energy center, which is the one that you sit on, okay? And then the second one is about, you know, two finger, finger widths below your belly button. And the third one is, of course, your um, solar plex. Mm -hmm. These three were blessed and given to you for your life here on earth. And they have to be balanced in order for you to go into the upper centers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So your heart, your heart is what we call the border. Okay. Now, once you get to the heart, it's very easy to go further up. So the one after the heart is your throat. And from the throat, it goes to your sixth center, which is your pineal gland. The seventh is in the center of your head. And the eighth one from Kundalini Yoga is above. Okay. So there's three above and there's three below and the heart is the center, the border. Okay. So what has happened up to this point is a lot of people were living from the lower centers. Okay. And what happens in the lower centers is your identity, your security, your safety, all the things you need to get through life here, right? Your job, your ambition. Everything, all of that. And then when you hit your heart, it's all love. It's all love. Okay. And then above the heart is your expression, which is your throat. And then your intuition, which is your, your, your sixth center. And it goes on and on. Right. So we've lived from the lower centers for so long and the separation and, um, that we've lived through is now shifted and changed. So more and more people, the reason they're feeling the way they're feeling is the frequency is higher, which means we're living and we're trying to get rid of all the trauma, the emotions, the past, all the guck, the muck. We're trying to get rid of it, which is stored in those first three centers. And as soon as we do that, we move into our heart. And our heart is such a magnificent place to be. Yeah. Because our heart is where we create from, where the unity lies. There's no singularity. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So you and I are not separate, but you don't comprehend and understand and you don't resonate with that until you've issued you've dealed with the issues that you've had so whoever matilda was from the moment that she was conceived all the way through her mother's womb all the way up to about age eight or twelve that's 95 percent of who matilda is oh wow now, how is Matilda going to get rid of some of that garbage? Exactly. That's what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> and so 95% of you was built by somebody else. And chances are 
that it was nothing but a big lie. Wow. So you were taught to live in fear. And yeah. as, as, as you move into this time frame that we're living in, you're learning how to move into living from a place of love, compassion, understanding, and gratitude. And let me tell you, anybody who's sitting there thinking, there's no hope for me, I'll tell you something. We've been working very hard on your behalf. <laughs> we've, been, we've been working very hard on your behalf. The ones that were conscious and living consciously and doing the work. Because the work, the consciousness, whatever we were holding, we were holding not just for us. So that's why if there is one person who can achieve something, you better believe it that you're going to achieve it. And you better believe it, you're going to achieve it a lot faster now. And that's the beauty yeah. of the time frame we're in. We're coming um, back to wholeness. We're coming back to wholeness. I like that. I like our time frame. <laughs> yes. Let's yeah. work and we can achieve better and more things for yeah. other people to come. That's right. So you're not going to have, you're not going to have, you know, an outer world view. You're going to have an internal mm. world view. You know, you're not going to have a separated view that, oh, me and my and I and how can I, you know, no, 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 no. It's a we and a us. And do you, do you think self-love can um, help this view or no? How can a hundred percent. You know, there, the, the question that I get, get asked a lot is, how do I know if I'm coming from the right place? And I'm sure you go through this many times yeah. a day. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I, what I'm doing is the right thing. And I always say one thing, and that is, Ask yourself, am I coming from a place of love or am I coming from a place of fear? If you cannot answer that I'm coming from a place of love, you're coming from a place of fear, whether you admit it or not. Oh, wow. I have a lot of fears and uh, yeah. And it's very interesting now that you're saying 95% was built in me before age of 12. I mean, now it's all what society taught me, schools and parents, and maybe their vision of life is not true, what's true for me, for my soul, you know? So you know you. You know you. Nobody else knows you. Yeah. You know you. Very powerful, Sanjay. Um, I'm going to ask one thing. Um, do you have any tips for self-love? Some people might be struggling to love themselves. And then you're such, you have such an amazing background and with the 
with the expertise that you have, how can you help someone to connect with themselves more and love themselves more? The number one thing is, and this, this will go back from going back to childhood. You wish you had a pat on the back a little more, didn't you? Yes. Give yourself a pat on the back each time you do something you're proud of. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's, that's confirmation. Okay. So give yourself a pat on the back every time you feel you've done yourself proud. More than anything else, um, I'm not familiar uh, with uh, the audience, but definitely do some mirror work. Uh-huh. And the mirror work is that you would um, write a certain number of powerful things for you to say to yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what you would do is you write them and you'd put them on the mirror or you can hold them in your hand. But you want to look right into your eyes when you say all those beautiful things that you need to say to yourself. Because, you know, when a child is born, and I'll explain the mirror work, because when a child is born, a child doesn't recognize themselves as themselves. It isn't till the age of like two that a child understands that they're separate. They actually see themselves in the mirror. Take a baby. Try to get a baby to look at themselves in the mirror. They can't. They don't see themselves. Okay? Mm -hmm. So then what you do is, then at around two and a half, two, they're walking by a mirror and they see themselves. There's a reflection. And they think it's somebody else. So then they go back and they dance and they go back again. And they realize, oh my God, that's me in the mirror. Okay? So what do they do? They start making funny faces and they're sticking their tongue out and they're doing all sorts of funny dances because they're happy to see themselves. It's a reflection. Mm -hmm. Third stage. Third stage is a difficult stage. Difficult because now you've got most of who you are built. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you see yourself in the mirror and you're a teenager and somebody at school thinks that they're too heavy. So now you start looking at yourself. Am I too heavy? Am I too short? Am I too fat? Am I too tall? Is my, you know, are my eyes too close set? Are my eyes wide? You start judging yourself. True. Okay. That's stage three. Stage four is harder. Stage four is when I can feel the pain of the women. And the stage four is when you look in the mirror and you don't see yourself anymore. (gasps) You don't see yourself anymore. You see yourself but you don't really see yourself. You don't recognize the person. No, no, you're too lost in the head. What I need to do next, what I need to do, why is someone happy, why is someone upset, what, can I, what else can I do, how can I do that? How can I... You're yeah. so in your head, you don't even notice. That happens most of the time when women 
um, I mean, we are trained or brainwashed in a way. In certain societies, it's more like, oh, when you get married, your husband, yada, yada, and then you have children, your children come before you, and the next thing you know, that's what you're saying. You're not even recognized. You're not even realizing it's you because so, it's somewhere so else. You're, you're, you're lost. Yeah. And so I say to you, write down some beautiful things about yourself. And you put them on the mirror and every morning after you brush your teeth, you read that list, but look at yourself in the eyes. And you call your name and you say that to yourself. So for instance, if it was you, Matilda, you would look at yourself in the eye and you would tell yourself, Matilda, I love you. Matilda, I really, really love you, Matilda. Matilda, you are so beautiful. I'm so glad I woke up to you. <laughs> and when you do this, you will find that some people cannot look at themselves in the eyes. Do not be surprised if you cannot look at yourself in the eyes. Do not be surprised when old emotions start coming up and you're standing there crying. But do not stop. Do not stop. Keep going. I promise you that if you can tell yourself that you are beautiful, that you are here for some great purpose, that you are loved, that you are cared for, that you mean something, that you are worthy, that you are perfect. And you say to yourself with your name every day, you will discover yourself again. And that's called loving yourself. Amazing. I should do that. I never done that before. I'm going to start tomorrow. <laughs> because because Matilda, you know, if you didn't have money, could you give money away? No. If you didn't have any water, could you give water away? No. If you didn't have love, could you give love away? Exactly, no. Fill yourself up with love. Because that'll help us as well, because we've been doing it for a very long time. And we've been waiting for you people to wake up and to catch up and to help us. <laughs> very nice. Amazing. I'm, I mean, I'm sure most of the people will be, whoever is listening, they would benefit from this. And uh, I will encourage everyone, all of us that we're hearing, to do this to us, because we really need to really, really love us like in a very healthy and in a very deep level so we can help other people around us so we can be the best version of a mother best friend best partner that we can be for others 
because you know Matilda if you don't love yourself how could you possibly say you love your children or you love your husband or you love whatever it is that you're doing you can't you know you can't you're fooling yourself you're doing it because you have to because someone told you that you have to not because you love them because you don't have any love to give and actually, you see, I mean, in my culture, I'm uh, Armenian-Iranian. In my culture, I see mothers, mostly, that they are constantly giving and giving, giving to their children. Like, their whole life is about the child. And it's, like, scary because they don't even see themselves anymore in the mirror. As you said. I'm telling you, you can take, you can take the mirror to most people. Even the ones that, you know, you think, oh, they dressed up, they look 100%. They have their makeup, they have their hair, they have everything. Yeah. They didn't see themselves in the mirror. They just did what they normally do, you know, put their makeup on, do their hair, because they do that all the time. How present were they with themselves? How many times did they tell themselves that they loved themselves? I guarantee you, if you were to leave a child crying for 15, 20 minutes and go tell yourself you love you. <laughs> that you child would benefit more, actually. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. This world became very material, Matilda. I was a mother. You know, many people say, oh, you know, how were you able to do what you did? It was beyond me. I did nothing. It came through me. Wow. I have one question. Uh, how would you suggest, I'm sure there are people that are listening and they've lost their dear ones. How do you, how do you suggest people can recover from it? Are there ways that they can make their heart ache less painful or um, any suggestions? Ask yourself that when someone crosses over, what is coming to mind? My own experience. Mm -hmm. Okay, my own experience. Um, my mother has crossed over. When you think of the person that crossed over, you remember them, but you think of yourself. Do you understand that? If you remember them, why not think about them? For instance, my mother, she passed away with Alzheimer's. A beautiful, powerful, liberated woman in her own way in the days where women were not liberated. Uh -huh. But in her own way, she did everything because she had the divine feminine in her. Ah, uh, divine feminine. <laughs> now, if I were to think about my mother and I would go ahead 
and I would remember all of those memories, right? Yes. However, however, what would happen is that if you turn around and you look at somebody who has crossed over and you're truly thinking of them and not yourself. For instance, my mother crossed over. I felt like I didn't have a mother. I felt like, who will I share my memories with? How will I cope with this? How will I do this? How will I do that? I was thinking about me. True, yeah. But when you truly think of them, and you say, my God, they were beautiful beings. My God, they've crossed over. They did what they came here to do. When you think about them and take you out of the picture, it's easier. Oh, wow. I, I can feel it now. Very because you, Right? Because you remember them for their devotion, for their give, for their service, because that's what they came here to do. Wow. Very Take cool. you out of the picture. Take you out of the picture. It's easier. But when you start thinking about me, you know, my kids got married. And she died shortly after all three of my kids. You know, it's funny. That's another story on its own. I love my mother dearly, uh, as anybody out there. Um, and my mother used to say, oh, I want you to each marry one of your daughters while I'm alive. I want to see your daughters get married. And I'd say, why, why are you so concerned about the girls, mom? <laughs> yeah. She said, oh, you know, traditionally we have to do more when it's a girl getting married. I said, oh, don't worry about it. And she says, well, maybe even just marry one of your kids. I want to see one of your kids get married before I pass away. I used to laugh at her. I said, you stop talking like that. You're going to see all three of my kids get married. And she'd say, you think so? I'd say, of course. You watch. All three of my kids are going to get married, and you're going to be there for each one of their weddings. With my older son, she was forgetful, but she was there. With my second son, she had Alzheimer's but wow. she came in a wheelchair with my daughter she came and she was there um, but she could not express herself anymore wow. and she died shortly after all three were married wow you see yeah. but if i go into those moments because those are milestone moments you know a birth a death a wedding, you know, those are yeah. really important, huge milestones in your life. But if I thought about myself, then I would be a wreck. I would be a mess. But if I thought of her, and I used to think, my God, you know, how did my mother end up having so many kids? How did my mother teach herself how to read and write English? My God, how did my mother put up with a man like my father? <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? Uh huh. And yet, 
she had her own way of doing everything. And it was so special because she said, you know, you know how to work around things. You know how to work around things. And it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. I think actually what I'm taking from it is when you give the, when you remember them for who they are and you take out of yourself from that picture, you give the power to them and that pain goes away because you remember them in such a powerful and such a beautiful way. And you realize we're all one and they came and they did their job and they, they went. Yes. Yes. Remember, you only get sad when you start thinking about yourself and your loss. Yeah. Wow. I will share this with uh, you know whoever I meet, and because re- recently I have a classmate that pa- her parents died. And for me, it was I've been keep thinking about him, like how he can survive because you know. And I knew the parents. I'm like, that's such a sad moment that you know you don't have any parents anymore. And at such a young age, you lose them. How yeah. do you survive? And now, maybe when he's upset, I can give him these tips. Or whoever else that I meet and they're going to be upset about their loss, I will share that. And I'm sure one day I will experience it. I will keep in mind to give that advice to myself. <laughs> Thank you, Salindra. I will, I, I think our time is over, but I want to ask you one thing and then go. If we're going to say goodbye and I want to remember you with one advice, what will that be? Just breathe. <laughs> Just breathe. Focus on the breath. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, bring your attention to your breath. There is nothing beyond that one breath that you're taking because the past is gone. The future, we don't know. In this moment now, you're creating your future. Just in this moment now, in this conversation right here, right now, As long as you're breathing, you know you're needed here. Very nice. And I don't know why I'm getting emotional. (laughs) But I could uh, tell you. I could tell you. Yeah. I could tell you. Yeah, please tell me. Because when you have a real conversation, Matilda, and you speak from the heart, the other heart hears it and knows the truth. Yes. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. I would love, love to talk with you about feminine energy, divine energy, but obviously we don't have time now, but I hope uh, other time you would like to come to my podcast again. Oh, 100%. <laughs> We've got to spread this love all over the planet. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Salindran, for your time and for your wisdom. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed it so much and I still have to digest. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure my listener, uh, they've enjoyed it and I've, they've learned a lot from you. 
thank you for your presence and um i will we will be in a, you will be my podcast soon again <laughs> well thank you very much and matilda uh to your audience as well please do go to uh, www.upliftinghumans with a s upliftinghumans.com i have uh youtube videos and uh podcasts in there um, please jump in there. There's so much to learn and to share. I will be teaching online as well at some point. Oh my right God, now, I'm just uh, um, developing some, some, some stuff, but definitely would love for you and for your audience to join me and we will co-create together, 100% Matilda. Amazing. So what is the website again? Well, uh, it's a triple w dot uplifting uplifting humans with a s dot com and in there under episodes are all the podcasts and if you go under the youtube link you'll get all of the uh visuals because any guests that i have on my podcast show if they want and they're okay with me doing the visual i add that in there as well Oh, brilliant. Awesome. Thank you very much. And thank you for my audience for listening. And I will come back again with another episode with new stories. Thank you and goodbye. Ciao, ciao. Thank you. <laughs>